Welcome to the 7 Daily Choices Podcast, a podcast designed to empower you to transform your relationships, optimize your leadership, and ignite your world. My name is Dow Tippett, and I want to help you create, build, and sustain a thriving life with others. This last few weeks, we've been talking about submission, and we've been talking about the power to lead and how submission gives us that power. And we've talked about that in terms of general leadership and understanding general principles. And we've talked about that last week in specific roles within organizations. I want to talk about it now in the role of community. And today, as much as ever, I am I am thankful that this was already on the agenda because as we look around our country, we see division all over the place. In particular, we are seeing the race division and the division of races be brought to the forefront yet again. Not that the division of race has not had issues and that there haven't been issues of division uh, throughout history and the history of our country, and in particular, even in recent history. But right at this moment, uh, because of the recent death of George Floyd at the uh, hands of a police officer, there are riots and protests going on around our country that are crying out uh, by the black community to be treated with equality by those in authority and power. And so submission becomes this reality that most of us struggle with that that we have to face. And if we want to lead in these times and we want to be a part of the answer, submission needs to be in our hearts. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So first of all, we live in a world divided. To, to admit that is not to uh, agree with it, okay? To admit that we live in a world divided is not the same as agreeing with it. But how we undo that division seems to be up for debate. And I want to suggest that a heart of submission is the first step to invite undividing our country. And let me just go through some very practical stories from my own life. And I want to share a story from Scripture as well, where this stuff comes together. Um, so as we look at this, this race division in our country, I have struggled. And the reason I struggle is by nature and by training from my parents and from those in my life, I honestly don't see people with race. I have friends from all different backgrounds, walks of life, uh, appearances, races, whatever you want to use to distinguish people. I have people from all those places who are friends in my life. And it's not because I've been intentional about making friends with people from all races, but because I've been intentional about making friends. And people of good character and people who I want to be friends in my life may be black, they may be Asian, they may be white, they may be female, they may be male. That stuff does not distinguish for me a person, a human being, and and I don't see it. 
The problem with that is when we don't have awareness of others, as we talk about in our seven daily choices, we don't have awareness of their past hurts and we don't have awareness of their present struggles, then what ends up happening is we miss opportunities to love and care for them that we may not see if we're not aware of what's going on for them. Now, Because of that, there are those who have said, and I've had it said to me several times, that we must continue to see race or we will not be willing to see the plight of blacks in our country. And I just struggle with that thought. And here's why. Beneath racial discrimination, there is the problem of racial distinction. If you eliminate racial distinction, then there will not be racial discrimination. And because I don't see racial distinction, I don't discriminate by race because I don't see it. And my thinking is that we should find a way to overcome racial distinction in our mindsets. And if we overcome racial distinction, then we won't see racial um, discrimination in our country. Now, The truth is we're not going to overcome that as long as the evolutionary hypothesis continues to be uh, mainstream accepted in our country. The evolutionary hypothesis continues to discriminate between races because of its um, ideas just divide us already into various systems. Now, Is it right? No, it's false. We did not evolve. We were created and we were created by God. And we were created by God with the ability to uh, grow and change and unite and be, be, uh, be all one human race created by God. And genetically, uh, we find that in the Middle East, where the heart of most of this of creation seems to have taken place, or at least where Noah started after the flood, we see that there are uh, color-wise, skin color-wise, hair tone, eye tone, there is a wide gene pool, a broad gene pool from which to choose that allows for a broad uh, scope of looks and appearances within that setting. As we move away from the Middle East, we started to pull into certain types and looks and grow into certain looks in certain places in our world. That's not a matter of evolution. That's a matter of the Tower of Babel. We divided at the Tower of Babel and we began to weaken the gene pool, not strengthen it, by limiting who we were interacting with. So the truth is, if you want the human race to survive, then all races should interact with each other, not only communally, but we should marry and intermarry. That's how we strengthen the gene pool, not weaken it. So if you want to look at genetics, you want to look at science, the evolutionary hypothesis that has divided us actually, which which is false, we were created by God. And if you eliminate that, then you eliminate the distinctions of race. We are not distinct races. We are the human race. If you eliminate distinctions, now you cannot judge someone based on race in any way. Race is removed from the equation. What happens is then we're able to deal with issues that are even bigger for the whole human race than just a racial issue in the case with uh, George Floyd. If a citizen of our country is granted special power 
to serve the citizens of the country. That power is not given them so that they can rule over us, but so that they can serve us as a community. And in America, the entire design is that everyone who is connected to the government is there to serve the community of the public. You are there as a servant. And if anyone granted power to serve the community uses that power, to harm one of its citizens in a way that is both illegal and is harmful to the whole of the community, that person should not only be punished, but should be punished more severely. And it doesn't matter if they're black or white. It doesn't matter if they're purple or orange. It doesn't matter if you abuse the power you've been given to serve in order to rule over somebody else and harm somebody else, then that is a horrible, horrible crime that should be punished. And if we looked at the abuse of power that way, and we considered it that way, we would eliminate a lot more abuse of power because the idea would not be simply to eliminate racial discrimination, which needs to be eliminated, but to eliminate abuse of power, period, by anyone against anyone else. And when we do that, we create the opportunity, we create the, the uh, place in which and the, and the atmosphere in which racial discrimination is eliminated. Okay, so I, I've given you my argument there. Let me, let me talk about how we actually do this. So let me step back. While I believe if we eliminate racial distinction, we will eliminate racial discrimination, I also know that there are black men and women who live a different life every day in our country simply because they're black. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I don't do it. I'm not part of it. I tell others not to be part of it. I tell my children it's stupid. My children are bothered by it. And yet it's still true. So here's where submission takes another step forward. When we see someone hurting and we see their past hurts and we see their present struggles and those past hurts and present struggles are not caused by us. I didn't do it. I don't do it. It does not remove our responsibility to do something about it. So let, let me be clear about what I'm saying. Jesus actually deals with this when he has a conversation with an expert in the law. And, and here's the conversation. Expert in the law comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, you're an expert in law. What do you read? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, there you go. And then the Bible tells us this, but wanting to justify himself, the teacher in the law said, but who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story. There was a Samar there was a, a man going on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was overcome by robbers. And he was beaten and left and stripped and left for dead. And as a priest walked by, he saw the man, but he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. And then a scribe walked by, a teacher in the law, and he saw the man on the side of the road, he crossed over and went the other way. And then a Samaritan, which 
in the Jewish culture, uh, Samaritans and Jews divided like uh, many people do over race in our nation today. A Samaritan came by, and he saw the man, and he bound his wounds, and he put him on his donkey, and he took him into Jericho, and he took him to an inn where he uh, left him with the innkeeper and paid for his stay and paid for his heal- his time to heal. And he said, and if it costs more for him to be recovered when I come back through this way, I'll pay the rest as well. And Jesus then turns to the, the teacher, the expert in law, and he says, who was the neighbor to this man? And the expert in the law says, well, it was the one who helped him. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. <laughs> he says it was the one who helped him. Now, here's what you have to understand. The law of God in Exodus, as given from the mountain to Moses, has a specific law about if you beat someone and they don't die. If you beat someone with a stone or a fist and they don't die, here's the penalty. You have to pay the price for them to get back up and be healed. And you have to pay the price for their recovery and any lost wages while they're recovering. And Jesus turns to the expert in the law and he says, go and do likewise. What is he telling this expert in the law who would have known that law? What is he telling him to do? He's saying, listen, It is your job to go pay the price to heal the hurts that others have caused. Let me say that again. Pay the price to heal the hurts that others have caused. Right now in our country, there are a lot of people of different races who are hurting. And they are hurting because race has been used as a reason to abuse them and to take advantage of them and to treat them as lower class citizens. That is wrong. It is evil. And if we eliminate race distinction, it will be eliminated. But until we eliminate race distinction... We must, if we want to lead in the healing of the divisions in our country, we must step forward. We must step up. And we must listen and hear and understand the hurts of those around us and then pay the price to heal the hurts that others have caused. And whatever that price is for you, whatever is being asked of you in your context, you need to go and do likewise. Pay the price to heal the hurt that others have caused. It's not an admission of your own guilt. You're not saying, I did the crime. What you're saying is, this person needs this price to be paid. And if you pay the price on behalf of the thieves... If you sacrifice because others have been foolish and others have been wrong and others have chosen differently, if you make that sacrifice, guess what? And you bring that, you look like Jesus. You look like Jesus. Now, let me say this too to my black friends. You're not the only ones hurting. There are people behind you And as long as you distinguish yourself based on race and you continue to draw that distinction, we're going to continue to struggle. Now, I understand we have to recognize that that distinction exists. 
But we have to stop drawing that distinction. I, I find it interesting. A while back, um, a friend of mine was, her daughter was in a racial inclusion class or in an inclusion class at college. And she was the only white person in the class. And she called someone African-American and got in trouble because um, that wasn't the term that the people in the class wanted to be referred to who were black. And so I asked my friends who are black, I said, what's the right term? Because it's changed in my lifetime, the right term, the polite term, the term that treated people as equals and made them feel respected has changed. And, and I'm okay with that. Things change. And most of them came back and say, well, I prefer to go by Christian first, or I prefer to just be considered a man, or I prefer to just be a person of good character. And I say, amen. If we don't draw the distinction to begin with, if we treat people based on who they are, not what they look like, then it eliminates all of this. But the truth is those same men have to face things that I don't have to face. And it's my job to hear that hurt and help to heal that hurt wherever I have the opportunity. Submission is the heart set that says whatever it takes to honor you above myself. That's what I'll do. Listen, I, I've made it very clear that I have a strong position about where we began to heal this problem. And I believe it's deeper than just eliminating racial discrimination. I believe there is a deeper call to America right now. And that is to eliminate racial distinction. But there's also a recognition in my mind that says racial distinction exists and racial discrimination exists. And I need to be aware of the hurt of my brothers that they are experiencing because of it so that I can help to heal that hurt. It's a two-sided equation and it begins with a heart of submission. And for those of you who are black, who are listening to this, here's what I would say to you. It is your place, your role to choose the same heart for everyone around you. In fact, I can say with great pride that the men I know who are my friends who are black, that's what they do. The reason they have such character is they don't think of themselves first. They think of others first. They put others ahead of themselves. And wherever they have authority or wherever they have influence, they have chosen to seek others above themselves. They have chosen to be men of honor, men who lift others up, not tear others down. And so I want to encourage all of you to choose that. Let's all choose that. If we choose that, this, this ability to be divided by powers that be is eliminated. When we use our influence and we use our authority to bless others instead of trying to seek our own agendas. That's when this begins to change. And it's where it has changed in many communities. So let me give you something practical you can do. Something I've done, and it's again something from Scripture when there's division that we should do. Jesus actually talks about two points of division uh, in Matthew. One in Matthew 6 and the other in Matthew 18. And here's what he says. Uh, In Matthew 6, he says, If someone has something against you, go to them and talk to them. (laughs) 
Make that your priority so much so that you leave your um, worship, your your offering at the altar, and you go deal with that issue first. In other words, healing the divisions between people is at the top of God's list of worship acts. So if you have a division with a brother or sister, you need to go heal that with a conversation. Go have a conversation. In Matthew 18, uh, the same thing happens if someone has something against you. So Matthew 6, you have something against someone else. In Matthew 18, someone has something against you. Go and have a conversation. And this week, I've been having a lot of conversations with those around me who happen to be black so that I can try to gain understanding of what they're experiencing and gain understanding of what I'm seeing around me from their perspective so that I can help to heal the hurt that others have caused. But if there's division, we have a conversation. And that conversation needs to be a conversation in which we are desiring to understand each other so that we can help each other get better and grow closer together and discover all the beauty and wonder that God has for us. All right, I've probably created enough controversy in the last 20 minutes and don't need to continue. But listen, I'd love to get your comments and your feedback and your thoughts on this. I know not everyone's going to agree with me, and that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. I'm giving you what I think submission can do and what I think submission calls us to in our communities right now in this hour that we live in. And I hope that you will hear that we can overcome division if we choose submission. That's the power. And leaders will choose to put others first. Leaders of all walks, races, and creeds. Martin Luther King Jr. said, We will not be measured by the color of our skin, but by the character that we live by. And when men are measured by character, submission will be at the top of the list of the great ones. The choice to put others first. If you have uh, enjoyed what you've heard, please share this. If you would like to discuss it, please comment. Please let us know what you think or what you need, and we'll continue this discussion longer. I just think right now at this hour, it is important for us to understand we can heal our communities if we will take a posture of submission. One last story, and then we'll close out. In Beaver Creek, Ohio, just about 45 minutes north of here, there were protests going on as well. And the protests started to get a little bit antsy and people started to get a little bit more and more uh, frustrated until one police officer chose to step forward and take a knee and say, I'm with you. I don't want racial discrimination either. And then someone from the crowd came out and hugged him. And the whole tenor of the protest changed. The whole tenor changed to one of let's figure out how to solve this instead of fighting against each other. And people started coming and talking and they had conversations. May we all be like those people in Beaver Creek and seek to make others more important than ourselves so that we can save our country from this deep divide. Like, share, give us your input. And listen, never forget this. 
Life is a gift. Living is a choice. And living is measured in relationships. So choose relationship today.